Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. Welcome back to episode 84 of the On the Table Gaming podcast. We're still social distancing over here, but uh, we can't wait to get back to, you know, putting our miniatures on the table. It's kind of a thing we do, but uh, are looking forward to Gen Con on August 1st and uh, Come On Games Asia Virtual Expo 2020 on August 8th. And thinking about what that might mean for a Song of Ice and Fire, the miniatures game. So we've enlisted some experts here to help us in our speculation of what might be coming down the line. So Colin, the Colossus Cleosis, thank you so much for coming on. That was pretty decent for a tongue twister. <laughs> Did you practice? And by the way, saying expert is like the loosest definition of expert that you could possibly we can, we can uh, self-brand things here. Well, we'll add that to the <laughs> title. And then, of course, you know, it's not a big event without Brian Kerr from Big Top Gaming to help us through all of this. So welcome to the podcast. Yep. Thanks for having me and setting the bar low enough to get me on here. Oh, what? Oh, my gosh. So, well, <laughs> let, let's go to the trip down memory lane sort of here. So last year at Gen Con, there was a limited number of Baratheon starter sets shipped at, at Cool Minutenot's personal expense to be made available for attendees. You may remember that uh, that debacle and uh oh yeah <laughs> we got to see the full contents of the box revealed at that time people were upset because there wasn't a certain there wasn't enough for everybody but really it was kind of cool that they were just made available early and it ended up being like was it like six months early it was a very long time yep. <laughs> I, I, yeah i want to say at least three or four months so it was like no um, good deed goes unpunished right <laughs> right and I, from what I recall, it was like the first time that Asmodee was was really at a major convention in charge of selling come on stuff. So it was kind of their policies that ended up resulting in uh, yeah. no, nothing being available. Like people I, were walking out with 12 of them. I hate to feed that beast. People are always like, oh, this game has, you know, tough, horrible distribution. And it was like, well, the game started up. It switched distributors. There was some yeah. excitement and then like COVID hit. <laughs> so it's been every year there's been a thing that's been like surprise. Yeah, th this this game's uh, distribution has been like looking at a Stark family history chart. <laughs> but you know what? You know, I always say this. My line is a Song of Ice and Fire, the miniatures game and a Song of Ice and Fire in general. It's a it's a fan base that is patient, right? We have experience waiting for good things. And you now we keep we keep, you know, things keep getting delivered that are awesome. And we just got to wait for it. Right. Yeah. that's that's the spin we'll put on it <laughs> yeah i think a, a, a small word of advice if anyone happens to find them in a situation like that again like asthma d has a very specific way that they distribute their products when they're at conventions so you almost you need to be like camping outside with a tent or something to make sure you're one of the first to get there if you want something like that i know that there were some people at gen con who were not used to their distribution strategy that were just like, oh, I'll go the next day and it'll be fine because I have a tournament on Thursday. That just doesn't work with them. I remember uh, when Mysterium came out a couple years ago, uh, Asmodee sold out of copies within minutes, like lit literal minutes because of the way that they do things. There was some tension, I think, when people were getting in line and there was like someone bought like eight copies, like mm -hmm. eight Baratheon starter sets. And it was like, oh, there was only 100 or something available. Like yeah, I bought eight. Like the, the whoever's at the desk, right, that figures that stuff out i don't think they really like have set limits set for that and if they do whatever volunteer they get to work the front doesn't really like pay attention right, right. that poor person is going to get trampled yeah i think asmodee honestly doesn't really care as long as stuff gets sold 
the, yeah. the whole reason for them not to just not to go on a rant but like the, the reason for them to to do stuff like this is just to build the hype like some companies live or build their whole fiscal year off of gen con like the, what you 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 live or die by that by those conventions right lock it or not lock and load but uh um adepticon is a really big one too um and asmodee doesn't really need that i think so they use it to drum up a lot of hype and generate some uh false scarcity but for ice fire it's actual scarcity i always feel a little bit bad for like people like uh, fabio or michael chanel that you know they're designing and developing and and fine-tuning making all this cool stuff and then when something goes wrong with distribution or people can't get their hands on stuff then they also get like pushed out there in front of the community to be like all right everyone's gonna comment at them even though it has nothing to do with them it's like c- come on these, these guys are game developers they're, they're not supply chain logisticians <laughs> like, they want us to play the game as much as right else. yeah the devs I think, in, in general i think devs have just kind of gotten out and on the forefront of promoting games so when they often drop things like that i think people run to them with their questions and concerns but uh hopefully they can provide us with some uh some cool new stuff that we'd be coming out that will be coming out soon Absolutely. So for today, we're going to be talking about some some speculation. And this is totally like just wild, rampant speculation, not grounded in fact, and in some cases, maybe even reality. But we thought it'd just be fun to talk through what might be coming down the line, like what might we actually get to see in the coming weeks. So it's been a long period with uh, this COVID-19 crisis. I feel like we've been talking about it for months here. And uh, they they released sort of these beta game modes. They've been teasing stuff out as best they can. But, you know, we had the the come on expo which gave us a really uh, confirmed look at Greyjoys, and so we've seen this pre-sale list going around for some stores being able to order things online you know Greyjoys are on there they're slated for quarter four of this year and that's was you know announced uh during the pandemic hopefully shipping and everything will stay on track what do you think do you think we're gonna see do you think they would maybe tease out some more of the contents of the starter box at this time do you think we'll see uh, maybe more of the miniatures or is that something they're going to maybe hold on to to wait to reveal as we get later into the year? I, I could see the release of or like the, a teaser of perhaps a few of the commanders, some commander cards, uh, a, maybe a portion of the tactics deck and then maybe one unit that has a very like Greyjoy specific mechanic, perhaps. Yeah, I think that... Um... The, uh, for, from my for my opinion, I guess is that I think that Cool Meter Not's going to try and slow roll a lot of these releases. I think we're kind of seeing it already with uh, the Unsullied Swordsman, Rose Knights, and Relore Faithful. We we've seen a bunch out there in rotation, and I know some stores in the the Midwest have started to sell some of the um the swordsman at least and from what i understand those don't have an actual like full street date just yet <laughs> yeah. i think that cool mini or not's kind of pulling back on those a little bit just so they can get ready for uh, or make it so that they don't have these huge gaps where they just release these three huge things right now and then they have to they have this like three month gap of waiting for Greyjoy stuff to get produced so i yep. don't if we get spoilers it's going to be at a real slow trickle and that might be nice too. I mean, I think I'm excited to see how these quarterly releases go. And if that really changes the way people play the game, we know having a bunch of stuff come out at once. So we know about the Ironborn, Ironborn Reavers. Those have been spoiled at Come On Expo 2020. Uh, now, none of those stats were final, they were saying. Um, but, you know, I don't know what the production cycle is like, but we've got to be getting somewhat close if quarter four, like I don't know how long it takes to 
print all that stuff and get it all packaged. Maybe it happens, you know, only a few months out, but I think it's the shipping more than shipping, anything else. Yeah. is going to cause a delay. Yeah. I know for some big box stores, some of the, at least more inland ones, like some of the reasons why they're uh, running out of stock a lot is because ships just get docked permanently because they're worried about any spread of infection. Mm. So I think that that would be the, the biggest block to getting stuff to come to us. It's kind of crazy. This stuff comes from across the world. I don't know if you saw in the Facebook group, there was a point when people were talking, they showed some pictures of um, the assembly line in a factory in China. And there's like a giant bin of people and they're like sticking like arms on swordsmen or something. And mm-hmm. It's like, wow. And then that ships all the way across the world to us. Yeah, it's pretty intense to see the to see the sandwich made, so to speak. Yeah. So we know there's going to be Ironborn Reavers. There was also at Gamma announced there's going to be these House Harlow, uh, Harlow, Harlow, hmm. House Harlow Reapers, Harlow Reapers. I think and, it was, yeah. and then we have this thing called the Ironborn Trappers that show up on the uh, the order form for some stores, along with Greyjoy's Hero One. So. I'm assuming then, do you think those three units are what comes in the starter set? Because at Come On Expo, they've said, you know, it was sort of this debatable, did they reveal it or not, that there would be Ironborn archers. And Fabio kind of said that and then was like, uh, uh, like, I don't know, kind of redacted it. And then Michael jumped in and then was like, you know what, I can 110% say there are archers in the box set. And like, people were like, oh, is he like kind of, is this a misdirection? I'm kind of more than like maybe Fabio accidentally revealed something and then they just kind of patched it up there. I don't know if these three units might represent what's in the starter set or if it's like this, the starter set is its own thing. And then we have these additional two units and the heroes that come out. I could see it going either way. I mean, it, it feels like what we used to get was a starter set and then uh, one additional unit, at least on like a first release. And then they've gotten away with that with the last two. It'd be nice to see that again. But it could also be that they're just planning to have the starter set and then the three units released as boxes and then release more later. Yeah, I think if you look at the the history of how the releases for starters have gone in the past, the starter always contains two of what like I think is more like like brain space known as the core units, like your Mm -hmm. two scrubs. And uh, then there's one other thing that's usually elite and then one other thing that kind of drifts between the two uh, the two categories. Right. And with the Targaryens, we kind of saw if you exclude the Heroes 1 box, you get your um, your Swordsman and the Screamers came out. And then with Baratheons, I think the first thing to be released that was outside of the, well, we haven't seen the first thing outside the box yet unit-wise, but um, the uh, Wardens were the first thing to be released after they had come out. Think Baratheons that, were all kind of bass backwards though, right? That was like a weird faction release in general. Yeah, they yeah. got the zero boxes first and and it was a little screwball-y. But I think for this for this Greyjoy starter, it's gonna probably come with two of the base start Greyjoy things, two elite things. Then there will be one standalone box that comes out that's from the starter box, and then maybe two or three uh, or two other uh different choices that aren't in that starter, and then the heroes one. That would be that's amazing. That's going to play so, I mean, that's, and it's a good thing because it's going to play so differently. If so many choices at launch, that's also, I'm realizing mm-hmm. I'm going to make a little bit more of a down payment here when I'm investing in this faction. Yeah, you got to start saving now. Are you guys going to play Greyjoys? I mean, so far, I haven't been able to exercise self-control over <laughs> buying any of it. I mean, at Baratheon, I was fully intending to exercise self-control, and then I ended up 
winning one of them at, at uh, Gen Con. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I guess I got to collect everything now. They just gave me one. So, I mean, chances are, yeah, I'll probably end up playing them. Yeah, I end up, I own all factions and can feel just about any list with ice and fire right now. And the gray joys won't be any different. They'll, they will, they will not release a box that I will not buy. So it's so amorphous. Like we don't really know that much about it, but for some reason I'm just getting like kind of a free folky, like what I liked about free folk vibe, but it's like that, but like doing a little bit more damage up front. And I was just like free folk, free folk and Starks kind of like mixed. Yeah. So it's like, Oh no, like I'm not a Greyjoy lore fan at all. Like free folk. I'm all about the free folk lore. Starks are really cool. Greyjoy is this the mechanics and like some reason I'm just getting this cool vibe that I think I'm going to have to jump in with that. So, so here's a question. What do you think, uh, they're kind of like single base monster style unit, like might or like gimmicky style units might be, because you know we've got mm-hmm. we've got dragons for Targaryens, we've got direwolves of Starks, we've got the mountain that rides with the Lannisters, like so on and so forth. I've been trying to think like what might it be for the Ironborn. You know, I I'm not I don't claim to be a an ice and fire guru when it comes to the the books or the history of it. But I think that um, one of the mechanics that we'll probably start seeing in the Heroes Box 1, almost as early as Heroes Hero Box 1, is a faith-based mechanic. And I would really like to see some kind of like uh, oh, a, a structure or something like that. I don't know if they actually have like statues or places of worship, but like the Drowned God seems to be a pretty big deal to them. Yeah. So being able to have something like that out that deploys maybe a little bit further up the table. And then as long as it exists, it just does something interesting for the Greyjoys would be cool. But that's like super like Puff the Magic Dragon thought there. Like I don't that that there's no base for that. But the I think pro- it would be I, cool. I, the problem is I think that the closest thing they have to an altar is basically the beach. Yeah, but could they have so you mean like uh, you could have like, like shrines with priests or something and yeah, like like that. Oh, interesting. That would be really cool. That would be cool. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping to see some like new options explored. Um, I know there are people that out there are really begging for there somehow to be ships. Um, I just don't get what they're going for. That's going to be like tactics cards. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I, think we're going to see a, a ship model in any way, guys. Like, no, you can only suspend your disbelief so much <laughs> with war games. And I think that that <laughs> one is a little hard. Wait, wait, don't you hey. play War Machine? My buddy uh, was just showing me some stuff from like that's come out since I stopped. And there's like a pirate ship like thing. And I was hey, just like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> Look, maybe, maybe they could put it on like logs, like they're rolling it <laughs> to the next uh, like river or beach or something. And then no one expects, <laughs> <laughs> no one expects a Viking longboat under inland castle siege. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of additional speculation, so we know the Greyjoy heroes are coming out. Um, you know, any ideas, any guesses on who do you think might be in the Greyjoy's hero box one? Um, so, and, you know, I think, and this is me making an assumption here as well. We saw uh, Asha Greyjoy and mm-hmm. we saw Euron Greyjoy at uh, Come On Expo. I, I, does that mean that those are in the starter set or do you think that was just like two random characters? Uh, Asha seems like your typical, like kind of like a man style, like control-ish. Uh, like she'd be paired with like a great John Umber sort of character for a, a starter set. Um, but Euron Greyjoy had a bunch of cards that were like, uh, let me see if I can pull them up here. That was, uh, his, was, is that the one whose nickname was Damp Hair? Oh, no, that was the NCU character. Okay. But Euron in the books has like, you know, he's getting these magical horns and magical items. He's actually like really cool as opposed right. to the show where he is just insane. I don't know. Uh, 
it's kind of hard to describe what exactly um, he is in the show. But so maybe those guys, maybe those are in the hero box and we've got someone else in the base set. But, you know, I, be, I bet the king is going to be in there as an uh, NCU. You think so? Yeah. And so uh, Balon Greyjoy. Mm-hmm. So in the books, he was he's kind of a cool character until uh, what did he like? He fell like in quotes, allegedly off a bridge, like right before Euron arrives back and is like, oh, Balon's dead. Like, I guess I get to be in charge. So maybe like a King NCU, like a like a Walder Frey esque, or uh, maybe even mm-hmm. like a uh, High Sparrow. High Sparrow, yeah. See, and I think um, that their 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 high priest for the drowned god stuff is going to be the NCU commander. That's that's my in my heart of hearts. Oh, I hope we get yeah. another another faith based commander for it. It'd be cool. Be so cool. a little bit of like random lore things. Balon's brother is Victarion. Uh, Greyjoy, and I wonder if we'd ever see like a, a weird like they never really work together, I guess. But I'm wondering if down the line we'll ever see like a cool like tandem thing where it's like these two people are related or something, and they give bonuses to each other. Some sort of new mechanics with the faction. I could see that, but I'm not sure the Greyjoy family would be the one. No, to, you're right. They don't utilize <laughs> for it. Yeah, um, I think I Asha Asha to Theon would probably be the the best one, right? Yeah. Oh, you they think we'll see Theon that. in the great in the in the Greyjoy hero box yeah. one? I think he's going to be a uh, pure attachment, though. I do think that if he comes in one well, of those boxes, whether it's Hero 1 or the starter, that he will get Stark rules with it, too. And I think that might, like, oh, tilt so people sweet. a little bit because you'd have to get one thing to get the other, right? Craster would like to have a word with you, yeah. But Stark's, yeah, all, Stark's already get so much of that. Like, they got that mm-hmm. with neutral heroes, too. Why are we giving Starks more toys? Oh, you're right. You're right. Exactly. Hashtag hashtag no starks. nerf starks again <laughs> oh no here comes the hate <laughs> um, what about uh so you know there are obviously characters that everybody is just like always wants right they've been just waiting and waiting and waiting for and i know for the baratheon shira arrow was one that huge fan favorite um no just just kidding but you know maybe there's i'm thinking there's gonna be some sort of obscure character in there so i tried to find like the most obscure Greyjoy, and so i came up with robin Greyjoy, and i think you know because Michael Chanel and those guys like to seem to you know put some of these more obscure people in. So uh Robin Greyjoy is just mentioned in a single line after Balon dies, and they're listing off like Aaron Greyjoy's brothers. He's like randomly mentioned once. And apparently he's like a some randomly like sick kid. And I just picture some, you know, when Michael Chanel is going through the character being like, some random sick kid. Like, yep, that guy's in, and we're gonna make him famous. He's some NCU that's really good or something. So that's my pitch for that. Like, I almost wonder if Theon is not going to be in all of this and they're going to save him for like a hero's box too. Well, and for the timeline, it makes sense that he would just come out in Starks instead. That's true. Although the timeline's kind of crazy now. I know it's really wibbly right (laughs) now. Yeah, we're kind of all over the place. I mean, Theon definitely would would be applicable for early Greyjoy in the books because he was, I mean, he took Winterfell. um, Well, so would he be like an archer then maybe? I wonder because they do mention range, he's like a ranged oh. commander. Perhaps. Oh, interesting! Like uh, that specializes in empowering ranged units. Yeah, like see, I would like to see his cards do really haphazard things in order to like impress <laughs> his his family. So like you take really big risks, and it's you're either going to fall flat on your face. Like he's a high risk, high reward commander. Would would be what I'd want to see. That would be actually really really cool. Or maybe um, also some of those Joffrey mechanics where bad things will happen to you as well whenever you use his tactics cards. 
because he's just so arrogant. Yeah, so that you know, sort of puts you at a slight risk. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he gives like a... It's not fun to have like a straight debuff, but like maybe he doesn't really inspire his men like other characters. Right. Yeah, or yeah, he could be an NC or have some sort of influence where like the influence helps, but also gives you like a minus one to morale or something like that. Oof. Yeah, I was thinking maybe he's like an on the table commander and has like a, a long range neg one morale bubble. Oh, damn. That would be that would that would be pretty bad. That would that would that would hurt. I feel like the, the, negative one is always worse than negative two to me, like a like a little you know, damage to your morale because I always feel like negative two. I'm like, I'm not going to pass this save. Like I'm in so much trouble when negative one. I'm like, maybe I'll make this. It's only minus one. Gets my hopes up. Yep, when you slip into that 40% range, it's not so great. <laughs> exactly. So you know what I would like to see is a, a faction that's really den- like heavily uh, Battlefield-based, like it doesn't have all these super powerful NCUs like we're, we've been seeing coming out, but has mechanics for the Battlefield commanders and attachments to affect uh, NCUs, to negate some of that NCU power we're seeing. Ooh, interesting. Although I don't know, does that get like just frustrating though? <clears throat> like, I, I, how are you envisioning that? Like a a Jock and Hagar being like, like I just killed your NCU. Like, suck so, it. <laughs> I, I see. I I don't love that. Like, just insta kill uh, either. Um, but but something where it just reduces its effectiveness. Perhaps it can uh, remove an influence rather than taking an action mm. uh, for for that unit for for another unit, or or can do that in conjunction with something else. Um, but but some mechanics similar to uh, to how you can utilize uh, what's your face, um, red haired, you know nothing, John Snow, Egret, the free folk, uh, Egret, yep. yep, yeah, that'd be interesting. I know I this is like an overpowered mechanic, but like I have this <laughs> real big thought in my head about how Greyjoys are really going to really tilt the game experience a little bit because they don't really have the same roles in the world as the other factions do. And I would be really interested to see if they had a mechanic that was just evergreen for them, where if you're playing Greyjoys, you just completely X out one of the NCU zones. Cause uh-huh. you figure like they're, you're either fighting them in the iron islands or you're getting surprised by them. So like mm-hmm. some of the communications that you would need to send as an NCU or support that you'd need to send probably isn't going to get there as easily as it would otherwise. So like I said, I know that's a, a, a big, like it, it would be crazy to see it happen, but I'd really like to see something like that reflected in there where it's just difficult to do those normal Westerosi things against a, a group like the Greyjoys since they're so haphazard and, and strange i like that a lot like maybe at the beginning of every turn or the beginning of the game you have a a, a, an attachment or an ncu that basically just says i'm shutting down this zone for this round or the game especially the tactic zone i could see them like with those mechanics you just mentioned uh heavily targeting the tactic zone to get rid of yeah i don't know greater scare me i mean i think just seeing that uh reaver captain without flank it's a ncu that lets you bring a unit on a short range in short range of any flank table edge and then having Euron Greyjoy have cunning ploy where you can choose to not activate a unit to make another act another unit activate like that's going to be nasty i this is going to be a really interesting faction to kind of wrap your head around because it is already so Mm non-traditional i think they're going to require a lot of finesse yeah ice and fire hasn't had like a true tricky faction just yet i think that's another thing that's present in most war games out there is there's always at least one or two factions that are just like 
you got to be thinking on several different levels to work with them. And I used to think it was free folk, but I think that they're a little bit more ham fisted these days. Yeah. And I think that Greyjoys could really have the maneuverability and uh, the awkwardness of these like outflank maneuvers to really make you scratch your head when you play against them. It's going to be one of those ones I'm predicting that when you have like the demo tables and people sit down to play the first time, kind of like Targaryens and Baratheons, where they just like charge headlong in and, and get smashed. Probably going to be a, a steeper learning curve. Oh, yeah, for sure. So then we, you know, we already know about um, Unsullied Pikemen and Dothraki Harakars. Um, you know, we don't know the points values. Maybe they would tease that out, but I'm thinking they might hold that information a little bit closer to their vest until it's time for those to release. And that leaves us with some of the big things, some of the big toys. So there's been mention of Free Folk War Mammoths. We saw that on one of the order sheets. And um, we do know from gamma it being previewed and then the image of the actual dragon we have monstrous units coming up and you know i wonder if we're going to get more information about what the uh, mother of dragons uh has up her sleeves would you th- what do you think for dragons you think they're going to do like dragon as a base template like a direwolf um where they all have the same stats and then maybe even the same effects or do you think they're going to be like unique dragons each one with like their own ability I think they're they're going to have the same base stats, but with a different unique ability for each. What I I'm also curious how much, like how the point values for these are going to work. Oh, maybe you'll never get to take more than one. Right? Can you imagine having three dragons? Like, <laughs> I mean, at least at the size, even of that sculpt that was shown at at uh, Come On Expo, like that's a pretty big dragon. Like that's going to be a blast to paint. Mm-hmm. But that looks like it could eat a unit. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I have some thoughts like uh, the Mother of Dragons has been really like on my mind lately because I've been living in the Targaryen zone for a while. And uh, one of my thoughts on her was that um, the dragons don't start on the table like normal units do. Like, let's pretend let's pretend this version of Daenerys is like the NCU commander version, because I do think that if they're going to make one box for her, they're probably going to make different versions of her, whether it's like she's an attachment or just a regular ncu or something but i think as a commander ncu she's not she's going to have like a not a replacement ability for the zones but when she comes down on the zone she puts in the dragon one of the three that she chooses and i do believe they're going to be quite unique and then she can just place it anywhere and then hopefully well i guess it maybe it could immediately activate after that happens um but i think that she's going to be able to like airdrop dragons in That'd be amazing. As she sees fit, instead of having to deploy them and have them be on the table moving around and having to keep track of them. I'm kind of like almost nervous about it because I feel like no matter what they do, people are going to be unhappy because they're either going to be like, wow, these are too powerful. Like these dragons are crazy. Or they're going to be like, these aren't powerful enough. They should like one dragon should level an entire army. Um, it's- uh, yeah, I, I anticipate a year or two of balance changes on those every few months once they're released. Do you think they'll have a flight keyword or something? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think they'll they'll be like cavalry where they can move first and then oh. do their thing, but can move over units instead of uh, like they'll always have like the. Ugh, how is that going to work? Right. That'd be scary. I mean, it's already like, on the other even thing. measuring wise. God, that's going to be a nightmare. It, it'll be I, it'll be intense. That's for sure. I, well, I just like still having a hard time wrapping my mind around Targaryens in that like. I'm assuming dragons are going to be expensive and it's not like the Targaryen faction is like rolling in cheap units anyway. So maybe it'll be like you take like screamers and a dragon 
versus, you know, because you can take three dragons and what? Like, hey, finally a use for Stormcrow mercenaries. Oh, there we go. Maybe that's going to be just a mercenary army and be like, sorry, Unsullied, like you don't get to be with the dragons. Well, there there is one release that I, I think might help us help the Targaryen players out. That's on this uh, Kulmini or not distribution list, and that's the Freedmen. I'm pretty sure that's going to be uh, a, uh, a, a poor fellows-esque unit that goes into Targaryens just to give you cheap bodies. Like we might be seeing the like four-point unit in this in this release like a conscript or like chaff unit yeah Yeah, just something cheap that they can throw down that takes space and i I think that the rockers are gonna be pretty cheap as well so i think that's that's where the targaryens i think are gonna fall is it's gonna take a while for them to get caught up to work because they do have all those pricey units right out right uh, in the beginning but yeah i think i i don't know I, i don't think dragons will be something you have to pay points for i think she's just going to bring them Oh, that'd be crazy. That'd be that'd be really good. Like uh, and then seven point NCU. But can't, can't forget about War Mammoths. I mean, come on. I know people are excited for dragons. When there was rumors and whispers of War Mammoth and we saw that listing. I mean, that's so cool, right? I mean, dragons are cool, but you see dragons all the time. You don't get to see War Mammoth. Like, what would a free folk cord with a War Mammoth look like? I don't even know. I'm a assuming lot smaller than a standard free folk cord. Yeah, I guess you're right. But you can still get a few, you get a few miniatures on the oh, table yeah. there. I'm assuming a siege base, right? Would that be reasonable? Yeah, a siege base. And then yeah, basically like the ballistas. Do is it like gonna be like a battering ram where it's like if I charge you, you take like X like a catapult's worth of damage? Like just eat it. Nah. Yeah, I think <laughs> but God, would you think there'd be a random chance mechanic in there on how much damage you take, kind of similar to the catapults? I mean, I don't know. I just want to know if I run this war mammoth into a unit of Night's Watch vets, are they going to hit me back or am I going to crush them? I, I think it'd be cool if it had a mechanic to allow you to shift a unit off of an objective. Because that can be so oh. hard for free folks sometimes. So like some sort of like a ramming mechanic or something yeah. like that, where it like shoves something off to the side and you can actually get one of your units on there. Although that yeah. would be, do you think the mechanics like that would work in this game? I'm just thinking like anything that would shift another unit, things get so like congested already. I feel like that would introduce a lot of uh, random You have to be careful with it, like and have some very precise rules around it that people are probably similar to the dragons going to complain about for several months um but i think i think it makes sense and i think it's something that the free folk can be lacking yeah there's four things on my wish list for the war mammoths the first one is a a ramming mechanic where they do push units because i think that'd be sweet the other one is a trampling mechanic because war mammoths should be able to trample over other things oh yeah uh the, <laughs> another one is uh morale tests triggered on charges like they 100 percent. if you're getting charged by a war mammoth you should have to take a a, a morale test at a penalty Ooh, and then, I, wonder, I wonder if dragons love something like that too my very last one is that just hoping that they put giants on war mammoths eventually <laughs> otherwise I know what <laughs> yes for giants these are all things if anyone from if anyone from come on games is listening we want giants riding on mammoths although i guess if they give me a giant if they give me a war mammoth and i have giants i can always put my own giants on my mammoth yeah 100 yes, they'll be or bears me. or bears yes oh man the real question is you know do you think giants i guess they'd have like a saddle or something maybe i don't know no who in the free fork would actually construct something that could be like that i guess the fen could do it right they've got civilization yeah, They're gi- they would just hop on there, grab on the yeah. top of the hair, and be like, "Go!" I really hope they're impressive mammoths. Like I'm picturing, like something relatively large, 
if it's like you know the height of a unit like little baby elephants or something like that's the mammoth like oh like yeah they really need wild boars size on these oh man all right and then we also know that there is a listing for baratheon kingsmen and queensmen i see two things i automatically assume that these are going to be for you know faction parody yep shared attention releases do you think these are like kind of in the style like the Baratheons? I like all bets are off from then. I wonder are these units or are these some sort of like Hero Box Two, uh, Kingsguard sort of thing? Because their Baratheon unit releases have just been all kind of undecipherable. Anyway, Baratheons are the wild card faction of of this game. Like there is no telling. Yeah, I don't know. So I mean, I, I'm assuming something very hardy. Um, you know, the Baratheons are already pretty tanky units. I'm actually less excited for these than I am for the heavy cavalry, even though they're like not traditional cavalry. Like they're going to be kind of more get up there and get stuck in things. They're, they're going to be like the old school flayed men. Yeah, basically. So the, if I, if I recall the King's men are for sure a Stannis thing. And then the Queen's men, I would imagine would just go to, uh, Renly then. Well, so that's what I'm kind of confused about is cause, uh, uh looking it up because i don't really remember the queen they'd, they'd probably be t- uh terrell based uh yeah that's what i'm units, that's where i'm getting at yeah yeah i yeah. don't but, think that but that the, uh, technically on a song i was looking at a song of ice and fire wiki they're saying the queen's men are members of stannis baratheon's court that have converted to the faith of rolor oh okay then that would i guess that would make sense then because the king's men were the ones that they hold like the seven and still still sit on stannis's court so so those are both double releases but then we 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 have a wasn't there there's mounted rose knights that'll eventually come out too. the knights okay. of the Fun, whatever it is i hmm. bet the kings the kingsmen then will be because renly had that uh the rainbow guard that brienne was a oh part of. yeah that would make more sense because mm-hmm. also listed on that product uh and we're going pretty heavy off this like one uh item that was released about from stores for pre-ordering for the like the remainder of the year and it is not scientific hey we put the speculation exactly uh, disclaimer because up there. the other thing was these house baratheon roller or archers uh and i'm assuming that's obviously roller faceful that's going to be for stannis as well so it's like three possible stannis things no renly things that we know of kingsguard's gonna have to be renly. yeah i bet um what would make something faith archers though? Like how many ways can you do archers? Like we've got storm crows, we've got Stark Bowmen, like motivated by coin was unexpected and appreciated. Like how do you make faith archers? Well, I think for sure, they, since they utilize the fire thing a bunch, yeah, they'll, if you're getting shot with flaming arrows, that's probably quite scary as well. So they might be the unit that causes panic checks outside of, or with Oof, range attacks, range, like panic stack, panic text, panic, Tests on a stick is terrifying. A yeah, few like folk are highly flammable. Test with a neg two modifier when you get attacked. Oh, geez. Like a vicious, a ranged vicious would be terrifying. Yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not enough to just say, oh, yes, you'll get a panic test at the end of this, but just to, you know, you'll 100% have something that causes a negative modifier to panic on these guys, I think. And then oh, uh, we have all these attachment boxes, and we won't go into that now, but we know we're getting Lannister. Um, Night's Watch, Starks. Um, I don't know if there's anything to talk about Baratheon. Oh, we saw the uh, 
the Lord of Dragonstone. So I'm assuming that's in like a Baratheon attachment box. We didn't see anything for neutrals. And so there is a listing for this thing called uh, the Hedge Knights. And on the uh, that release form, it's actually spelled Knights, N-I-G-H-T. I'm assuming they meant Hedge Knights of A Song of Ice and Fire lore. So maybe that's some sort of uh, Knights for Hire, um, you know, equivalent of the attachment box or just like a new neutral release. Um, you know, I'm assuming because of, you know, if you've read like the Hedge Knight and Duncan Egg and, you know, a lot of it's about being a knight, but it's a big part of that is mounted combat and, you know, uh, events like that. I'm assuming it's a mounted cavalry unit for neutral. That may not be the case. I don't know. When you hear Hedge Knights, do you think like a ground unit or do you think mounted? I think mounted, but here here's a question. So every single mercenary, this unit that's been released so far, or neutral, has been affiliated with a neutral faction. Right. What faction would the Hedge Knights be associated? Unless maybe we're getting like Beric Dand- Dandarian or something like that. Ooh. I, I think see- there's, oh, there's a small, small chance, and this is the, the smallest of them, that the Hedge Knights could be a early tie into the Golden Company. Because they oh. do go, they, the hedge knights like they their sole function is to go where the money is. Like they don't right. fight unless they're paid. And I feel like the golden company would be the place where like they might pick those up, unless the hedge knights are just the I exist in the middle of nowhere neutral but, unit. It, it, the golden company is based out of Essos. That's though, true. And they don't have knights over in Essos, and I think to be a hedge knight, you still would have to be knighted at some point. Yeah, I think for the the thing with the hedge knights though is I always view them as like the most true neutral. Like these are the poor knights that are not landed or do not have any claim to um, land. So they're, they're traveling and swearing loyalty for jobs or works from like various different manners, et cetera. And so, you know, I'm assuming that this would be clearly like a neutral unit that's going to be used with everybody. I, you know, I, we don't really have a lot of neutral units that have like faction restrictions besides like free folk. These guys won't go with free folk, but um, I do wonder if down the line we see other things like I would love to see neutral units that get released that are like for only two factions. Like I thought I really was hoping that Targaryens would have like Stormcrows, but maybe not Boltons. Oh, interesting. But, you know, these new these guys, I, I could see them being on their own. But I just wonder, are they going to be like just basic heavy cavalry? Like, are they what would make them different from Flavemen? And, and what would make them so that you wouldn't want to just take them in every single army? I think the difference from Flayed Men would be that this might be a Lance unit for them because it seems like most people oh, get yeah. like that. And I think that's where Renly's mounted troops are going to get the, they'll be the Lance ones. But um, the, the other thing I'd like to see on Hedge Knights that would be cool other than just Lance is that if your commander had an affiliation that they would gain that automatically because we have to pay points for, for that yes. most of the time or use your commander to do it. And it feels like it's something that uh, definitely needs some attention to make some of these things a little bit better in neutral only lists. Yep. So just giving them auto affiliation with whatever your commander has would I be like that a idea big a lot. bonus. Gosh, there's so much stuff. There's so much room in this game still to grow and so many uh, cool units coming out in the future. This is, I just really excited the way the game is developed. I mean, we're, we're basically coming up on like the two-year anniversary of when i got my copy of a song of ice and fire the miniatures game i don't know when did you guys get your uh sets so i I wasn't part of the kickstarter but i i ended up buying a kickstarter set off ebay pretty shortly after it was released so i guess that'd be about two years is that right yeah because i think i got mine in like august 1st ish but i know some people got theirs like in july it, it, August sounds about right to me for me. 
maybe it was like August 8th. I don't know, but it was around then. And I just can't believe how much the game has grown already. Mm-hmm. And also how like young it is. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of room ahead. But we don't even have like dragons yet. Like, you know, that's amazing. Free Folk don't even have the Hero Box 2. Night's Watch don't even have Heroes Box 2. I mean, they're not even at that tier of being a faction yet, which is crazy. Yeah, and it's also, it's nice to see that that there's still a large, even with the kind of release shenanigans, everything else like that, there's still a huge player base for the game and a lot of passion out there for it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's a good sign of the game's only going. There was like, you know, sometimes in the early months when I was like, oh no, is this game going to make it? Like mm-hmm. the first delay of like Night's Watch by like a few weeks. And then now it's just like, pff, no, this game is like kicking butt, taking names. Yeah, I really feel like the the game when it, when it first like kind of got into that, I think it was before Targaryens released, people were kind of on the fence if it was going to run out of room to grow. But I think with the way that we, they've already shown us how uh, or not wants to diversify these releases, like going so deep into already Greyjoy and uh, Baratheon stuff like that, that goes super deep that um, the Kulmini or not development team is going to look for more opportunities to branch things out. And if things keep going as well as they are for the game right now, I don't think it would be impossible to see some of those like wish list houses coming where you get like House Aaron gets their own oh, thing. Yeah. Or, uh, I think if House Aaron came out, people would just lose it like immediately. <laughs> Which I don't fully understand. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like they never really did all that much. I, I, they got their Knights of the Veil and they're the spooky, spooky fog people. Like, that's, yeah. that's the thing. That is always fun, though, to meet people that are like hardcore about like one specific, like really niche thing where it's like, like, ah, I'm all about like the Howlin' Reeds and the, and the Krennic men. And it's like, that's my thing. And it's like, great. Like, there's room for that. Yeah. I don't know. So it'd be great to see, you know, what's coming on the line. And, and uh, you know, I know they're going to have their their uh, organized play, which they kind of teased at Gamma. And obviously everything's on hold because we're not doing any tournaments or events. But, you know, down the line, their app's going to have, you know, uh, stats, hopefully, and and uh, tracking of, of store locations and all sorts of cool stuff. So I'm excited to see what officially comes out for them. And, uh, you know, good times coming ahead. Uh, Brian, you got anything in the works for Song of Ice and Fire that people should be keeping an eye out for? Well, right now, my uh, my ability to get ice and fire games is quite hindered, so I haven't been able to do the battle reports like I've wanted to, but I've really been throwing out a bunch of theory chamber stuff lately, and uh, I believe uh, Barristan Selmy is going to be the next commander that I look at Wait. for the Targaryens. Uh, otherwise, there's some painting stuff coming down the line once I'm able to get that all cut and stitched together. Those painting videos that I do just take a really long time to manifest, so they're just... They're a they're a slog, but, but they're, they're good. Yeah, they'll they'll be coming soon for sure. Because like when it comes to ice and fire stuff, I don't paint it to the highest standard in the universe, but I get it looking good quick, and that's that's kind of what I shoot for with those. But uh, I think uh, once Barristan Selmy is under the belt, I think I'm going to go back and revisit some of the earlier commanders that I've talked about. But maybe things have shifted a little bit. We're going to be looking into some Lannister stuff, and then I believe. In the next couple weeks, we'll get the first battle report post-pandemic inception, I guess. Oh, that's that amazing. So that'll, be, that'll be all coming to Big Top Gaming soon. Sweet. So if you, make sure you check out uh, Big Top Gaming on Facebook, obviously, but on your YouTube channel, you, you know, we want to make sure you like, subscribe, and you want to, as they say, hit that bell so you get notified when he's got these cool things coming out. Uh, Colin, 
I know you've been working like a madman. Have you had any time to do any hobbying, painting, other games, like just some stuff to decompress? Uh, I've been painting. Um, I've been spending, honestly, a lot of time because I'm fairly new to this hobby. So there's a lot of skills that maybe other people have that I uh, still kind of working on. So I've been spending a lot of my decompression time just working on uh, getting better with making terrain, uh, trying out new techniques, and then uh, doing a lot of learning on like wet blending and stuff like that. Just trying to up my uh, my painting game just a little bit. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, that's there's so much to learn. I mean, you know, I'm I've had some time playing in the hobby, but uh, I just feel like skill wise, I'm always finding something new. Where I'm like, oh, man, like, I don't know how to do that. Or like, mm-hmm. that's so cool. How did they do that? Yeah, I think I've been painting for maybe at least painting miniatures for nine years, 10 years, something like that now. And uh, I'm still finding new and interesting techniques to diversify my toolkit. Uh, I think just recently I picked up a bunch of enamel washes and oils and started messing with those. So like there's limitless possibilities when it comes to working with miniatures. Absolutely. I'm I'm excited to get back soon. Hopefully things will clear up so I can get some games and. I'm going to have a uh, fully painted Targaryen starter set and Heroes box that, you know, I completely painted up before I even got to use them. Uh, so it'll be, or not use them, I guess I've played the starter set, but it'll be, uh, you know, nice to have a full army painted in like one set go like, in one like full sitting. So I still feel see. everyone, everyone who paints uh, all Cav Targaryen list should get a medal or something. Because yeah. I, just, <laughs> I just don't do not like painting cavalry models. It is so tedious. I'm with you. I don't know what it is about them, but like, God, it, it it just takes forever. I painted two Targaryen units, and then I was like, I'm going to take a break for this. And, and now a I double whammy, though, of the horses, which I always find a little bit challenging. And then like so much skin. Like, it's like, does it have to yes. be those two things? I'm like, oh, my God. Although at least the nice thing with, with the skin is that you're not having to worry about a million different buckles and layers. Yeah, that's true. It's like that like cutthroats still give me PTSD. Oh, no. All those little buckles. Well, we'll start to wrap things up. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. And uh, I can't wait for things to start picking up. If you guys have been listening to the podcast, I know things have been a little bit slow these past few, past few months. Uh, it's been challenging times, but as things are starting to kind of crest and fall here, We're excited to be hopefully getting some more news and coverage out to you. And uh, Colin and Brian, thanks so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. I hope we get to do this again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yep, likewise. And in the meantime, I hope you get your miniatures on the table. (laughs) 